You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Aaron Ricabo uses John 4 verses 46 to 54 to talk about the second miracle in the book of John, Jesus healing the official's son. Well, thank you everyone for coming today and for coming to listen to the word. Today we'll be going and continuing on with our series of miracles. And today we'll be looking at the official's son. But before I get into the word, into the miracles, has people heard of the name Lee Strobel? Yeah, he's the uh, author for Case for Christ, and they also made a movie about it. Now, for those who aren't aware of it, it's a great book, great movie. It's about this man, Lee Strobel, who tried to disprove Christianity, but in doing so, he became a Christian himself and a rather strong Christian. Now, a few years ago, Lee actually commissioned a survey by Barna Research to look into a bunch of things, but one thing he found was things to do with miracles. And I'll only share probably about two, three stats today. One of the amazing stats was in the US, 51% of US adults believe that the miracles that happened in the Bible happened as described. Now, honestly, this was quite eye-opening even for me because honestly, I thought it would be much less, like maybe 20% or percent or less. But it's quite an uh, encouraging stat to see that you know, there are still a lot of people who believe what's in the Bible. He also found that two out of the three of them believe that miracles can still happen today. Now, that one-third who don't believe miracles can happen, they're mainly made up of people who don't believe in the supernatural, and there are quite a few as well who aren't sure if miracles actually still happen today. Now, I'll be honest, even before the fast, I would probably sit in that one-third category. I was more in that, oh, do miracles really happen today still? Because in my mindset, a miracle was that raised from the dead, you know, the ear being completely healed. But that's not what we see today. We see a lot of the small ones, like food on your table, you know, a good test results. I'm talking about, you know, not, not just school, but obviously uh, medical results as well. So it was a great eye-opener for me, and it really did humble my heart. What was also really cool to see was 38% of those people believe that they experience a personal miracle from God. So what these findings really show is that miracles aren't actually as rare as people think, as well as I thought, and that God still uses miracles today. Now, I believe miracles are used for the same purpose that they are used today as they were back in the biblical times. Now, the great thing here is uh, it was already written why miracles are used. So if you go to John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31, it really points out the purpose. Now, I'm, this is from the ESV version, by the way. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, you probably see that I've emphasized, I've highlighted a couple of points here, uh, which is they are written so that we may believe. So miracles happen as a way that God draws people to him so that they can believe that he's as a testimony, that he is the Christ, the Son of God. And of course, by believing in who he really is, we may have life in his name. Now, that brings us to today's scripture. 
which you'll find in John chapter 4, verse 46 to 54. Because, of course, there was many miracles that Jesus performed, but we'll just be focusing on one today. So I do encourage you to uh, open your Bibles, open your apps. Now, as I uh, give you a bit of time to find this verse, I just want to say, you know, it's great to bring our Bibles to church. It's a really encouraging scene. Now, I was convicted not too long ago by uh, my brother that I should start bringing my Bible because I always just was listening to what the preacher would, um, would read. But, you know, the Bible is our number one tool. So it's a great habit that we open our apps, that we open our physical Bible itself. It's encouraging, and it really just puts us in the mood to get into the Word. Not only this, it gives us the discipline as well, because I'm sure each and every one of us, me very much included, tend to forget to read our Word. Even if it's on our homepage of our phone, a lot of times we like to swipe next, go to Facebook or Instagram. So let's get into that good habit of opening the Word. Now, hopefully that gave you enough time to get into the verse. So let's read. So John chapter 4, verses 46 to 54. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So I'd like to go verse by verse, you know, or block by block, uh, to really get to know what's to unpack today's scripture. So I want us to first look at John chapter uh, 4, verse 45 to 46. So this is a verse before our reading. Now, I'll quickly read out verse 45, which reads, So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. Now, the reason why I want to bring this up is the people of Galilee welcomed Jesus very much the same way as the people of Jerusalem did. You see, Jesus was known as this amazing miracle worker. There was no doubt that he performed these wonders and signs. But that was where it ended for most people. Most people just saw him as a superstar. And this was the same case as the people of Galilee, and more specifically, Cana. Now, when you look back into John chapter 2, verses 23 to 25, it actually, well, I'm not going to read it, but it says that Jesus didn't really commit himself to the people because he knew their hearts and he knew that this faith that they had was a shallow faith, a superficial kind of faith, as they only believed him as this miracle worker. Now, I just want to highlight this because this was a very common way to believe in Jesus, especially in that time. The people were all about the signs, but they weren't about the destinations. They weren't about the signs actually pointed towards Jesus for who he truly is. 
So let's move on to verse 47. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, I like some other translations that we see because we see instead of asked him to, there was some translations that says pleaded. So it really just gives us this scene of a desperate father. Now, he was an official, so we know that this man was of high stature, high ranking. He probably had money, resources to go through, you know, to get the best medicines, the best physicians to heal his son. But obviously, that didn't work. So this man was desperate to get an audience with Jesus. Now, to note, he had to travel, I think, around 25 to 28 kilometers just to potentially get an audience with Jesus. Now, for us, that's probably not too far because we can just hop onto our little Toyota Corolla and drive down to Tuggeranong in 40 minutes. But for this man, that could have been a couple of days worth on walk or even on horseback. And then we go to verse 48, which says, So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, I want to make a note of you. So in Greek, the you in here is plural. So Jesus is actually not just talking to the official at this point. He's actually talking to the people all around him. And again, this shows us the mindset of not just the official, but the Galileans, that this, to them, Jesus is just this miracle worker. And again, what Jesus said affirms John 20, that you know, signs and wonders were recorded so that they may believe. But I also just want to point this out. I mean, when I read this verse, I see Jesus is kind of disappointed, right? It's like, you only believe because you see the signs and wonders. So Jesus is addressing this crisis of faith as people just need to see to believe. So he's cutting through the hearts of these people and hopefully us as well as the reader. The tendency is to want Jesus for his power, but not for who he really is. But I do want to make a point, not everybody is like this. Not everybody came to Jesus because of the signs and wonders that they saw. I want to make a point that um, all the way back in John 1, verses 35 to 36, we actually see John the Baptist's uh, disciples. They were one particular group that believed Jesus is the Christ without you know, seeing the signs and wonders. Uh, I'll quickly read that. It says, The next day John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus. And he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. There was no signs that Jesus had to perform for those two to go and follow him. Now, let's move on to verses 49 to 50. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. I highlighted believed here because just remember that this man believed what Jesus said. Another point I want to draw out here is that there's a particular way that the official thought Jesus would heal his son. You know, he probably thought, I need Jesus to be physically there to be able to heal, right? And this is something that we should, you know, absorb ourselves. Because a lot of times when we have a request from God, a lot of times when we pray and ask God for something, he's going to answer us most, if not all, the times in a different way. But one thing, is, one thing that we should know is that whenever he answers us, it's always in a better way. 
Sure, it may not be a better way for us, but it will always be in a way that will glorify him the most. And we're going to see that just in the next couple of verses. So let's finish off this passage. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live, and he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus, when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So I said to remember that he believed already, right? So I did look at the Greek translations of believed, and it was actually the same word of belief. But what we see here is that in verse 50, the official believed the word of Jesus, but in verse 53, he now believed in Jesus. And also previously I said to, I said that our requests are generally answered in a different way, but generally much better. And we see that here because now his whole household was saved. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I reckon if Jesus physically went down to the official's household and gave the healing to the son, I don't think the official would have been saved. I don't think he would have had that saving faith, and I don't think the household would have had that saving faith. Because remember, they knew him as this miracle worker. And then they'll see the miracle happen, they're like, oh, cool, thank you, Jesus. Here, have some dinner, now on your way. But we see a different story unfolded here. We see that they all truly ended up believing in Christ. Now, I just want to make a point of what does it mean to have complete saving faith in Jesus? Well, that just means that we believe Jesus for all that he is. Yes, he definitely is a miracle worker. But we believe that his works are the very works of God. We believe that when Jesus spoke, it is God who is speaking. And we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And for us as Christians today, we believe that the work he did on the cross is enough to save us from our sins. That no good works that we ever do on this earth will ever clean us or cleanse us from sin. Now, there's a couple of um, takeaways I want to highlight from today's story. Again, the first one was that the miracles are recorded so that we may believe. It's that Jesus uses miracles today, and he used miracles to testify who he is. And he uses them to draw that unbeliever to him. Now, we saw that with the official from today's scripture. We saw that he was drawn to Jesus initially because he knew him as a miracle worker. Because, honestly, the official probably wouldn't have even known who Jesus was if Jesus wasn't known as this amazing miracle worker. But it was his experience with Christ that led him to mature in his faith. Now, there are many people like this today, many people who are initially drawn to Christ from these miracles, these testimonies that they hear from other friends, family, particularly Christians. So I don't doubt God still uses miracles today to draw an unbeliever to him. Like I said before, I'm not talking about those outrageous miracles where a finger is all of a sudden healed magically or that ear is healed magically. No, I'm talking about the miracles that we see today. The miracles of that abusive father who starts loving his wife, who starts loving his children after he gets to know Christ. I'm talking about that stubborn, hard-hearted, 
friend or family member that you've been praying for for years one day surrender their life to Christ. Now, I'm even talking about those people who have visions of Christ from non-Christian societies who then surrender their life to him. Now, these are actual true stories. A lot of, especially Islamic countries, you'll find that Jesus will actually have, a, they'll have visions of Jesus, visions of God, and that's actually how they convert. A lot of stories about these, they're very interesting to read. But the point here I want to make is that miracles happen. They happen to each and every one of us. And because they do, it is so important for each and every one of us to share. Share the miracles that happen to us. Share our own testimonies. Because you don't really know who's listening to you. And you don't know how it will impact that person. I mean, this unsafe family or friend or colleague might get curious about Christianity just from hearing or seeing your testimony. This testimony of yours might really be that first step towards Christianity for them. But again, remember, it's not the miracle that saves, but God's loving grace. The second point I want to highlight was all the way back in verse 53. He himself believed in all his household. So this is, I guess, more of a continuation of my first point. Now, the official didn't have to explain to his household the miracle of Christ. When he put two and two together, he could have just thought, oh, cool, my son is healed. I'm sure this was Jesus who, you know, who did this miracle. He could have thought, you know, if I actually tell my family what happened, it's not just a coincidence, they might think I'm a bit weird. They might you know, think I'm a little crazy and I want to save face. I'm an official, after all. I'm the head of this family. But no, he had that conviction to share, and not just the conviction, but the happiness to share the good news. And I want us to remember we should be like the official. And I say we should be like the official because we need to have this same conviction to preach Christ, preach the gospel, starting with our own household. We shouldn't be shy to share the gospel, to share our testimony. I believe it's a disservice. It's being ungrateful if we don't share God's amazing grace. But, you know, it is a scary thing to do. And we may, you may be scared. But you never really know. You might actually see a miracle unfold when you share the gospel to that unsaved family or friend. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for recording your miracles so that we may believe. And I just pray that we may just digest and absorb the word that you had today. And may we be like the official. May we have the courage to preach your holy word, starting with our own household. Name Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more podcasts and for more information on Every Nation Canberra, please visit everynationcanberra.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra and on Instagram at instagram.com slash encanberra. We meet every Saturday at 104 The Valley Avenue, Gungahlin. Would you like to be connected to a tag group? Email us at everynationcanberra at gmail.com.